This is Ibarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. You can now download the latest episode of The Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. As an educator, one of the things that has been of increasing concern to me is the cost of a college education. As part of the social contract that many of us in the U.S. grew up with, the idea was that if you studied hard, worked hard, and got a college degree, you would be laying a solid foundation for a personal and financial future. And as a result, us as a society would benefit from it. Today, the cost of a degree has become prohibitively expensive, unless, of course, you're willing to take on the burden of tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in loan debt. If your future demands a college degree, that's just the price that has to be paid, it would seem. But the price that is being paid goes beyond the individual debtors. It's an issue that we're all going to have to face as new generations of young men and women are being valued more as a source of profits rather than on their contributions to our communities and our country. The challenge of today's graduates is no better illustrated by the work of Damon Cesaris, who as a photographer and a recent graduate, faces the challenge of building a career while contending with a large college loan debt. His personal story helped inspire a personal project on what's being termed boomerang kids, young people who who find themselves returning to their parents' homes as they struggle to begin careers while dealing with large amounts of debt. The story was recently featured on the cover of the New York Times Magazine and has helped contribute to the dialogue about what's to be done on this issue. We began our conversation with Damon by asking him what inspired him to take this very personal experience and to document it with his camera. So this whole project started um, because of my own struggle after graduating college. Um, I went to a private art school in LA and um, gathered around a little bit over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And I was living on my own, and I was, you know, working a lot during school and right after school. And I was able to make it by for the first year and a half. And then I just, as a, and I was making it by as a photo assistant as well as um, shooting small editorials for mag- some local magazines. And, um, you know, after about a year, the year and a half point, I hit a dry spell with work where no assisting work came up, no shooting work came up. And, you know, paying the student loans was um, where most of my money went. It was double my rent. And um, I just had I had to sell a couple of lights and some gear and stuff to make it by a few months. And then I just cleared out all my money and I had to move back home with my folks after school. And so that's kind of where the project started. Um, I started. Um, it took a, it took about a month before I really started thinking about um, doing this project. Um, first, you know, I 
It was uh, so the interesting part with that made me um, start the project was that when I moved back home, I had to move to the, my parents' living room because my old room was turned into a office, and um, so sleeping on the couch is very you know kind of big change from being completely independent on your own. And um, so being back on the couch, I was kind of, you know, thinking about that and like kind of laughing at the situation a little bit. And I just started thinking like, oh, I wonder what everyone else is doing that's in the same position as me. You know, what does it look like visually and what is everyone else going through and what is it, what does everyone else feel like that's in this position? And then, um, so after that, I got this rough idea about doing this project and I started researching a little bit and you know, and student at that time, student loans, and today there's all over the news. Um, everything's everyone's trying to figure out this whole student loan um, debt um, crisis. And um, so, yeah, after you know, after I knew I wanted to speak about the student loans and um, how these the kind of uh, factors we're facing after graduating into like a recovering economy and everything, um, I I went to. Um, actually started reaching out to friends and seeing who, you know, if there's anyone else I knew that was in the situation. And it turned out one of my friend's older sisters was in the exact same situation, and she moved back to, to the hometown that I live in. And, um, yeah, I reached out to her, and I told her my idea for the project and just saying, like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing this personal project on I – found, I found the term boomerang kids in the Internet. Someone had came up with that a few years back. And, um, you know, I told her about the project and she was super into it. And, um, you know, I did the first, first shoot, um, name was Jacqueline Bubion. It's a picture of her, um, in her parents' living room in very suburban household. And she seems obviously out of place. And, um, and that photo went really well and is still one of my favorite photos. And it kind of set the tone for the project. And after making that photograph, I knew that there was something there, um, with the project. And I knew that there was, um, you know, possibility of it growing, growing bigger. And, um, at that point, um, I went to Craigslist and I started making posts, on in the gig section or job section, um, you know, saying the project and, um, showing one of the, the first photo I did and, you know, saying that I'm in the same situation and trying to speak about this topic. And then I got, I got a few, um, few responses, not as many as I like. I actually got more responses from writers and, other photographers who wanted to be, who wanted to work on the project with me as opposed to just subjects. I got like maybe twice as many writers that want to be on it as opposed yeah. to subjects. Um, so I definitely knew then that there was something there. And um, so I found, ended up finding a couple of people. And then after I found the first couple of people, I took down the, the posts on Craigslist. And, um, you know, so I had three photos at that point and, um, yeah, and then I took it off of Craigslist, and I was constantly trying to find more people at that point. And you were sure that you this is something you wanted to work on by yourself. You didn't want to have a collaborator uh, because you didn't take up you know up these people's offer. Uh, what, what was your thinking when people offered to you know come on board with you on this? Well, I knew that um, there to make the before um, you know having the idea to well, of course I wanted to pitch it as a story when it was, when it was, the time was right. But, um, the people that wanted to work on it with me, there was some writers and I could, and I, and I, of course I want to have a writer on the project, um, eventually before the whole news, the magazine thing came about. 
Um, but I wanted it to be a more handpicked person of, of the same age and maybe someone who's going through the same thing who really understands the, you know, the millennial generation. And um, I really wanted it to be someone of the age group as opposed to um, someone older that, you know, maybe didn't understand, wasn't, who, someone who understood, you know, everything. Yeah. Did you have particular types of people other than people who were, you know, the same age range that were mm -hmm. facing the same circumstances? Did you start thinking about, okay, I want to be able to have a, a diversity of people, maybe of ethnicity, of sex, of mm -hmm. age, uh, of, 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 of loan debt burden. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what was your thinking as you started photographing these people and the project started started growing? Yeah, definitely diversity was a, a big part of it. I definitely wanted to have, um, you know, different male, both male and female range of that, different ethnicities from, you know, different parts of California when it was initially started. And I went to um, first two, first three were, one was in Diamond Bar in in uh, Los Angeles County. The next one was in um, San Diego County in uh, Escondido. And then, and then following that, it was Alhambra and then Victorville. Um, so it was quite a range of people. And I also wanted to have different uh, majors involved, different uh, college majors. Um, so all of that was a big factor. Um, I was trying to... Um, you know, the first person that responded to me on Craigslist was a uh, a lawyer who who graduated from law school and amassed about two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. And uh, I was, you know, at that point, I knew um, that like that that's the kind of story that I wanted to tell. She was having trouble. She was um, in a point where she just graduated and could not find a um, a job at a firm. And so, in the meantime, she was looking for jobs at Starbucks, but she couldn't get a job because she's overqualified. Um, you know, like no one wants, no one wants to hire someone with a big degree like that, knowing that if, as soon as a job comes up, they're going to leave. So that's a problem that, you know, some of the people were facing too, as they're trying to get these jobs, just like in maybe retail or like a um, coffee worker job or barista job, you know, that, that's one of the things that the people face too. So, um, yeah, I was just trying to, you know, get any different stories I can. And, um, when I was talking to the people, I'd ask all these questions like, you know, what a basic timeline of their, you know, college education, where they live, if they were living on their own before, how much, you know, um, debt they gathered during school, what was their dream job, um, why, why are they, what was the main reason for them still living at home? So there's a bunch of questions involved in everything. When you had to go back home um, and you had to talk to your parents about doing that, how did you feel at, at, at that point? Because I can imagine that it would be, you'd have a lot of feelings or have go through a lot of emotions to have to, you know, to admit to your parents that you're going to need help when you would hope to be able to sort of fend for yourself after you finished college. What was the internal stuff that you had to go through to, to create that transition for yourself? Well, the initial feeling is, you know, failure. You know, you're 26 and you graduate from college and you, at this age, you should be able to support yourself, but, you know, just things weren't going great. So um, it was a step that I had to take and, you know, it was, it was rough the first month. Um, it's still, you know, it's still not something that I'm proud of, you know, but uh, it was a necessary move um, for me to get back on my feet. And, um, you know, when I talked to my parents, they understood and they, you know, they 
welcome me back. Um, and, uh, they're, you know, willing to let me stay there, you know, rent free for, you know, for some time to get back on my feet. And, you know, they believed in what I was doing and it, you know, and, and, um, since I had already been like shooting a bit while in school and, uh, and right after school and working a lot, um, that I had, they knew that I had like some oppor- opportunities and everything, um, available, available to me. Um, it's just, you know, the, the, it's how freelance work is. It's a lot of ups and downs. Um, so I just was in a, you know, a bad period where there's no work and, um, it was something I had to do. You, was that reflective of the other people's experience or did it vary? Um, yeah, I feel like most, most of the people, um, have this feeling, um, that, the first guy, one of the first guys I met on Craigslist, he's like, he told me, he's like, oh man, I'm glad you're doing this. I don't feel like such a loser anymore. Mm. You know, it's, um, it's comforting to know that there's a lot of thousands of people out here that, that are, you know, in my situation. Um, so yeah, a lot of people kind of had those feelings of, you know, being a failure, but at the same time, I feel like everyone is generally optimistic and, um, about their future. And they knew that this was just like a kind of a stepping stone to get to the next career move, whatever that, whatever that may be. How did, how did you producing these images and and building this, this body of work help you to process your own feelings about what had happened to you and your own feelings about yourself? Yeah, it made me definitely feel a little bit more comfortable about the situation and, um, you know, talking to people around the country and hearing different stories um, and people that were, you know, better off than me and a lot worse off than me. Um, you know, it's comforting to know that this isn't, you know, this is something that thousands of people are going through. And, um, it's not just, um, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people are saying that the millennials are lazy and they're, you know, they're dreamers and they, you know, um, very selfish and whatnot. And, you know, maybe some of that's true, but there's a lot of, you know, things that we're facing that, not that other generations haven't faced in the past, but in this time period, like, you know, the Great Recession, a lot of people graduated from the project, graduated right into 2008 or right after 2008 or went into school. And, you know, right after that, I went into school at, in 2009 and got a, you know, uh, a big part of it is like I had these um, private, these big private loans that were at an 11% interest rate, which is, you know, killing me. And um, some of the other people were even at 13% interest rate. So um, there's a lot of different, you know, factors that go into having people, people having them, you know, live back home longer. Um, so it was good to, uh, you know, complete the project and show that, you know, that these we're, we're just facing some different factors. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, reading some of the comments and some of the criticism, some, some people go, well, you know, they signed those loan paperwork. So they should have you know, they knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was surprising how negative yeah. people were about the circumstances that a lot of students are, are, are under. Mm-hmm. What did that surprise you? And, and how did you sort of react when you started seeing some, some of the vitriol that's being directed at, at your generation and, and people experiencing your circumstances? Yeah, it was, it was kind of hard to, um, take that, um, I had to stop reading the comments at one point, um, but I, I knew that that was coming, and um, and I I don't have any regrets about going to this art school and um, you know taking out these loans. I had a great education, great experience. Um, it's just um, something I had to you know deal with, and um, 
a lot of the comments are saying like, oh yeah, of course you're not going to get a you know a job with a what are you saying like an art degree or a psychology or you know economics degree, and they basically named all the degrees that people had in the project, and they're saying, yeah, of course you're not. You should have went to engineering school. You should have like went here where there's money or something. You know something that you knew was going to give you money, and um, I don't. It, it was it was uh, strange to see that because. Um, you know, I don't know. I wanted to ask all those people, like, or what do you what do you do for a living? Like, are you happy with your job? Did you go to a college just for you know a, a degree that was going to guarantee you money? Like, I don't know. People, it seems like people. Um, I think what what uh, came true with all the people was that they're they're going for the the degree that they're going for was something that was something that they're passionate about. Like me going to school for photography, and I was not going to you know give up that because I hit a slow time and had to, you know, move back home or whatever. Um, you know, it's just, um, something we had to do. So tell me how, um, this project ended up in the, in the hands on the pages of the New York times magazine. So, um, so in March, so I started the project in January and then in March, um, I had a, uh, editorial meeting strip planned to uh, New York where I basically go there for seven to 10 days and, try to meet with all the magazine photo editors that I want to work for. And um, so I had this this uh, trip lined up for like three months be- three months ahead, and I started the project in January, and by March I had about four photo- three photos. So uh, when, I was mar- when I was doing emails, letting the photo editors know that I was coming to town about a week before, saying, hey, um, so I, I sent, it, sent the project to about five, five different magazines, and um, so the New York Times, I sent it to them and I, to a photo editor named Amy Kellner. And um, I said, hey, I'm coming to town these days. I'd love to meet and show my book. And by the way, here's a new project I'm working on. It's called Boomerang Kids. Um, here's two photos from the project. And um, right after that, about an hour later, I got a response from her saying, oh, these photos look great. Um, I'm interested in the project. Um, um, has it been published anywhere? I said, told her no, and then I got a phone call from her right away, you know, asking more questions about it, like, um, who else have you sent it to? Um, is it online anywhere? And, you know, a few other questions. And then um, from that point, she just told me, um, yeah, you know, I want to I want to pitch this to the editorial team. Um, I'll, we have a meeting tomorrow. Um, I'll get back to you then. Um, in the meantime, don't send it to, out to anyone else and um, take it down from if it's on the web anywhere. And then the next day, I got the amazing email saying, um, "Hey, uh, great news! Everyone loved the the idea, and uh, we want you to continue it as a photo essay for us. Um, let's talk about it Monday when you get in." And um, I, you know, uh, got in on a Saturday or no Sunday, and then first meet. I can kind of canceled all my meetings or no, not yet. Um, so on Monday, I got I went there, and this is my first meeting, and we just. Start, we went through my book and then we talked about travel and stuff and definitely I met Kathy Ryan and a couple other photo editors and um, they're all very excited about the project and then from there on it was just um, finding people and working on it and I so and at that point I had I was there for 10 days um, and I canceled all my meetings and the few meetings that I had lined up and then I just you know, started, started the project, uh, started the process of uh, finding people to shoot. 
That must have been dizzying from your parents' couch yeah. <laughs> to the offices of the New York Times and talking to Gary Ryan and all those people. Oh, yeah. It was um, the New York Times magazine was, you know, basically the only magazine that I really want, ever wanted to shoot for is, you know, I had we had a subscription when I was living with my friends out here at, at school and, um, you know, waking up and getting that every Sunday morning and seeing who shot the cover, shot the you know, the main story inside was like always the highlight of the day, you know, them being like called the Holy Grail of magazine photography for me. Um, you know, it's such an honor and still kind of unbelievable. It's all happened. But when you sent out the, uh, the sample pictures with these, with these emails or these letters that, that when you reached out to these various editors, mm -hmm. you weren't imagining that they would do that story. You were just hoping that it might provide an in to be able to show your book. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. I'd never imagined it would, you know, it was very, it wasn't even really a pitch. It was just saying that here, here's a new project I'm working on. Um, yeah. And as a way to get in my foot in the door, you know, to generate some interest in my work. Um, yeah. And it turned out way bigger than I ever imagined. So it was through uh, their help that you were able to travel outside of California. Mm -hmm. And what what did you discover that, that may have surprised you as a result of being able to uh, photograph and dialogue and, and interview people that were outside of your of the state and there were in different parts of the country? Did you find that it was pretty much the same story or did you find that regionally there were some differences? Yeah, um, that was one of the great parts, um, is traveling around the country. It was like, I've, I've hardly been out of California that much besides going to New York and some other places for, you know, overnight jobs as an assistant. Um, but yeah, definitely it, it, um, every, every place kind of had a different story. Like one of the most more interesting ones is, um, this girl, um, who I photographed who made it into the print, um, version Her name is, uh, Sarah Van Eck. And, um, she graduated with a, biology degree um from a good university and um she's from a rural town in minnesota um town of about 700 people and um after college when there was no opportunities for her or she couldn't find a job where in her college town that she went to she moved back home to the town of 700 and you know there was not that much um opportunity for her to work there and it was kind of she's being she's kind of stuck there um you know and she ended up being a um, basically a glorified what she called a glorified dishwasher at the local hospital um you know with a biology degree and um you know and she having no mon having not that much money and opportunity there's not not much she can do there unless she in order for her to leave that town it would take a lot of money and you know savings which she didn't have so um i you know i felt for her um She's in a tough, tough situation. You know, one of the things that this this country has prided itself on is this idea of, of if you go to school, you get good grades, uh, you work hard, that uh, when you graduate, you're you'll have uh, a better chance at a, at a better future. Mm -hmm. And considering what's what's happening now, um, you know, do you or some of the other people? that you've talked to, not only the people you photograph, but maybe some of your friends who are facing the same situation. Do you feel that that's a good number of people feel like they're being sold a bill of goods that, that that really that all they're being used for is fodder for the credit in the bank industry or, or no? Yeah. You know, I've, um, 
a lot of people came out came out of a lot of people in the project came out of school very lost um not knowing what the next step is even though they they went to a great school got a good degree um you know but they have this you know $80,000 or $100,000 or $50,000 hanging over their heads um and having no idea what they're going to do next um and then entering this job market that's not as great as you know before the recession and it's getting better but um still having a little bit less opportunities, um, even though they did everything right in school. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everyone, it, they're in this kind of stuck position where they don't know what they're going to do next. And a lot of people feel like um, they they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They felt like there should have been a little bit more education about the whole student loans um, before, you know, signing it, signing, signing for their loans. And, um, yeah. Do you feel that way? Um, no, I, I knew I knew it was a big risk going to you know a big private art school. It was very expensive private art school. I knew what I was getting myself into, and I knew that I was going to have you know this fourteen hundred dollars a month payment every month for the next twenty five years. So I I was fully aware, and um, and I feel like I took every step I could, um, and I, I feel like I made good moves. You know, I in school I had two great internships, one with a photography agent. Which led, which I learned a lot of the business side of photography, and you know, seeing how an agency was run, and then which, and then this that internship led to a, um, working under a photo editor at a magazine, where I learned kind of the editorial process and you know how photographers you know market themselves to photo editors and how like a, you know, an idea goes from you know a pitch to you know a full story, and I got to see the whole editorial process um, happen and. And both of these internships led to work while I was in school to the point where I had to miss some classes um, so I can, you know, make some money and, you know, um, take these jobs. Um, so I I felt like I did everything right and I knew what I was getting myself into fully and I have no regrets about going to school. It's just nature of freelance work is ups and downs. So you pretty much uh, took off running as soon as you finished school. You were already, yeah. already in the process of being able to do it. Mm -hmm. But was... Once you had, you didn't have the obligation of having to come to class. What was, what was, what were some of the challenges that you faced once you were sort of out of school? Besides, of course, trying to to find work that that may have surprised you or that you didn't anticipate. Yeah, the big challenge um, being out of school is, um, you know, having the discipline to keep, you know, assigning yourself things and assigning yourself projects, and then you know, once you shoot them, is you know big thing that I miss was critique on your work. So what me and my friends would do is we'd always, um, you know, show each other work and get our feet, get feedback from each other and kind of keep the, this whole like idea of community, um, going for like to critique each other and keep each other going that way. Um, but it, it was, you know, it was, it was hard, you know, um, not having someone tell you, you have this due, you should be working on this, you know, and it's some, you know, something I learned right away. Um, but I was always, always trying to, you know, think of new projects to do and constantly shooting stuff. And there, you know, there's a lot of times where I go for months without shooting, you know, a personal project or anything and just maybe shooting some assignments. But, um, yeah, that's just the way photography is. You got to keep, keep yourself going. How were you introduced to photography? When did you know that it was something you, you, you had to do? So, um, I, I got into photography as like, um, I took a class in high school as kind of like a, 
class senior year just because we had a freebie class with no interest really and um ended up loving it and uh, i was just shooting with a little point and shoot that the family had and then after that with when i graduated i took my graduation money and bought an slr like a really uh cheap low-end slr and i kind of taught myself from there um you know exposure and all that's all that stuff and then I went to, right after high school, I went into a, a state college and where I was a kinesiology major. And, you know, I continued shooting, you know, my friends and like, um, I was into like punk rock. So I'd go to punk rock shows and shoot, um, some bands for like free admission and shooting my friends skateboarding. So at that point in, um, first couple of years of college, I was constantly shooting. And then, um, I approached the college newspaper about like, you know, photographing some stuff for them. And uh, I ended up, you know, being, you know, started shooting freelance and then like it was like a staff, staff uh, college newspaper, one of one of the people there. And then um, and then I became photo editor and this was all and then and then I was the photo editor of the newspaper. And then um, and then after that, I took one class, a darkroom class at a local community college because, um, you know, being in the first two years of curriculum you couldn't um you had to stick to your your major so i couldn't take a class in the state college so i took one community college and then from there i kind of knew that you know what i wanted to do i wanted to be a photographer and um you know i showed some some promise you know at the magazine or at the newspaper and um you know after after two years i knew that i wanted more than what they could offer me at the the college there wasn't there wasn't really a, a dedicated photo program. They had a couple of teachers floating around for um, a photo communications um, major, and um, but I knew I knew that I wanted to go to an art school and dedicate my whole education just to photography. Yeah, getting getting back to the to the project, um, tell me about the the process of working with the editor there and a writer. Yeah, uh, for for the article that eventually ran in the, in the magazine. What was what was that like? So initially it was actually just going to be a photo essay. Um, and then it turned into, after the photo essay was done, it would turn into a, um, feature. Um, so initially it was just, there was not much creative direction from there. And because I kind of established, I established that, um, you know, in the first three photographs that I took. So it was a matter of, you know, both of us finding people, um, to photograph, and then once, you know, I would go over the story with the person and then I would send the story, their, their, uh, you know, story to the magazine. And if they approved of it, um, you know, they give me the okay to go shoot them and we do estimates and stuff in the beginning. And then, um, I would just send them, you know, a couple of selects, um, from each shoot. Um, so it was a great experience, you know, it was, um, most, most of the time working with photo editors, just mostly about finding the people, um, cause they, you know, had given all their trust in me to just go out and make the photographs without any, um, telling me how to light it or, you know, um, any expressions or things like that. So I, they just sent me out, which was, you know, the dream situation. It was just base. it felt like a personal, like I was just shooting, you know, personal work, but I got it funded in, in a magazine. Well, tell me about the look of the images. They're largely environmental portraits. Mm -hmm. So what was the thinking in terms of each time that you would go to someone? Because you didn't know a good number of these people after a while. Yeah. So you would just sort of walk into their space and their environment. So what 
what were you thinking each time you, you arrived in, in terms of not only where you would place them but how you would photograph them, how you would light them? What, what did you use in order to create the photographs? So with each person we had um, in our phone conversations after, after we went over their story and then after the magazine approved them, um, I would talk with them and have a conversation about like what their home life is like. Um, this, in my own work, my personal work, I work mostly in this um, pre-visualized manner where I would, um, you know, have this shot set up in mind and I just have to go, you know, capture it and make it happen. Um, so w- with the people, I would ask them like, what, so what, what are your hobbies or what do you do at home? What, what can like help represent you at home? Um, you know, sometimes it was, um, sometimes their photograph was, um, something to do with their major, like, um, um, there's a photograph of a woman named Adrienne Smith, who's in Florida. She's, um, working with, she works, she's a behavior analyst and she works with autistic children. And a lot of her, her, um, what she does at home is just to, uh, clean or organize and clean her toys that she used for the kids she works with. So that was going to be her photograph. Um, so everyone was different, but I, I had talked with a lot of the people before, like about situations that I can possibly have them, you know, photograph um, doing. Um, and and then and, yeah, and uh, you know, I went into most of these places pretty blind. I had no idea what any other houses looked like. So once once I got there, after I talking talking about them and having some rough ideas, you know, in my head. Um, we'd go and check check out their their whole house, their living room, any place that they would be in their home, and then um, at that point we would figure out what they would be doing, and then we I would start lighting it, and we do we do like a really rough test shoot or really rough uh, test photos, and then after we figure out if the you know the place the background worked and everything, then I would start lighting it and. Um, you know, and the background became like as much of a character as, you know, the person, as much important as the person was, um, you know, it had to have like some sense of, of like, uh, them being not being in their parents' house and not their own space. Cause you know, in some of the bedrooms, if I photograph them in their bedroom, it could look like they were living on their own, but every photograph had to have like some trace of their past life or sense of them being out of place back at their parents' home somewhere they're obviously, um, you know, being back at their parents' home. So yeah, I would, you know, after we figured all that out, I would light it and I was traveling with hot lights, um, using some floodlights and then a couple of, um, RE tungsten lights. And, um, so yeah, we would, we would just go from there. And once we'd have, we'd have the, you know, the, the right, the situation figured out and every, and the lighting figured out, we would just shoot. I always shoot for one photograph basically when we do mostly one setup and do that over and over again until we got the right frame, you know, and things would happen as we shoot. Um, maybe they looked a certain way or they did something with their hands. And as I was shooting and I would just say, Hey, hold that, do that again. And so it was, you know, it's just, that's just my process. Um, you know, shooting, always shooting for the one photograph. Most of these people are not used to being photographed. So, mm-hmm. how how was it being able to build enough rapport within a limited period of time to be able to work the way that you usually are accustomed to? Well, I think a, a big part of it of them being comfortable is that I'm the same age and going through the exact same thing. I wasn't some another some older jur- journalist who was kind of preying on them for their story. Um, you know, I was going through. I knew exactly what 
they were going through. And we've talked about all this before and, you know, I got really comfortable and uh, friendly with them and I still stay in contact with some of the people today. Um, so it would be, you know, we would talk for maybe an hour or so and then um, talk about their home life and everything. And then, you know, and then we go into the photograph. So at that point, when we started photographing, they're very, you know, very comfortable. And I would just, you know, no, yeah, none of the people have really been in this situation of being photographed before. So, you know, I would direct them and, you know, just tell them to relax and, you know, give them a um, situation to think about and put themselves in um, as as a way to get a, the right expression that I was going for. And, um, yeah, I would just go from there and um, it work, worked out for everyone. How many people did you end up photographing and how many appeared in the final article? So I photographed um, 16 people total and um, 14 made it. Um, the two that didn't make it were um, photographs look great. Um, it's just a matter of they wanted, after they put the writer on, they wanted it to be focused purely mostly on student loans and the economy. There was a couple other people that were in this, you know, this situation living at home at, in their mid 20s. But um, their their stories um, strayed a little bit farther than what they wanted to talk about. So, yeah, there's just two that didn't make it. So then there's um, eight eight photos in print and no seven photos in print plus one cover shot, and then four, all fourteen online. So how did it feel when you finally saw saw it? I mean, it came out online, but when you actually saw the physical copy of it, what what did you, what did it feel like? Oh, it was unreal. Um, and especially because my name was on the cover, which I, get, I don't <laughs> think is a common thing. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was amazing. You know, it came from a project that I started on my living room couch because I was in this situation, and um, and it was my idea, and it was such an amazing feeling. And um, um, yeah, it's been great. Um, still, still can't believe it all. What what's the response been in terms of uh, people's interest in, in your work? Because I know your your website probably got a lot of traffic as a result. But can, are you actually seeing that you're getting queries from people who want to see your book, who want to have the possibility to work with you, or is it too early for for you to assess the impact that's that's having? Yeah. So the press has been great. Um, I had um, a great interview with um, a nice a nice interview with um, a. Uh, photography website called a photo editor where they and the they highlighted my um the cover and all the the tear sheets and then did a quick uh, nice interview with me and um that led to a job um a photo editor saw that and that hired me for a job and then also monday morning when i woke up i had a job in my inbox just waiting for me there from a magazine that you know that i always try to reach out to but never never met with me before mm. Um, which was interesting as well. Um, and that week, the week that it came out, I had, e I started uh, marketing and emailed everyone that I wanted to meet with in New York and all the big magazines. And, um, almost, I think I sent out 25, my, my, my list is pretty small, but I sent out about 25 emails and I think 17 responded, which, wow. which I usually get like a, 10% response rate maybe. Mm -hmm. And these are the pe people that, you know, never responded to me before, which is fine. But they, you know, when I, when I sent them the cover and everything, they were like, Oh yeah, I already saw it. Congratulations. Yeah. I'd love to meet when you come out here. And, um, so I, I, um, I was emailing to let them know, you know, that I had this piece come out and also that I'm coming to New York in about a month or whatever. 
Um, so it was, it was great, you know, now that I have like some credibility that, you know, emails are being answered and everything. And it just, you know, it takes that one job, you know, someone to, to believe in your work and trust you, um, to, um, you know, to, to get your career going. Cause before it's hard, you know, you know, basically a nobody, you know, trying to, you know, going to New York and taking this big risk and, you know, just waiting outside of, you know, buildings and emailing photo editors saying, Hey, I'm here, you know, I'd love to meet and, you know, not getting responses to, you know, people answering you within 10 minutes and saying, you know, I love your work. Um, it's been, it's been a bit unreal. Yeah. You were basically vetted by, by the publication of this, of this, of this article and all of a sudden it's okay. If if they say you're, you're good to work with, well, we certainly want to have you too. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to have a, so I'll be in New York, um, few weeks, which would be about a month and a half after, after the drop of the story. So I've already reached everyone that I've ever wanted to meet with. They've, you know, already responded to me and wanted, want to meet, meet with me. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, keeping up with them and sending in one more promo before and just reminding them again and then going to New York and hopefully making those meetings happen. Are you going uh, to some of these meetings with ideas in mind or or no? Um, yes and no. Um, I, you know, after this project, it kind of um, um, it's good experience. Let me know that, you know, it's better to have, I think it's better to have, you know, some concrete examples of a project before you go and pitch it um so i definitely i don't know if i'll have anything ready by the time i go to new york but um you know i'd i'd rather not talk about an idea before it's fully formed but i Mm -hmm. definitely you know letting people know that you know if i have you know if i have ideas i'll definitely pitch it to them and actually um i just went to san francisco for some meetings last week and um an idea that I started or a project that I started shooting is being pitched right now. Um, so I, I think that's the way I kind of want to work. Um, hopefully, you know, for, you know, as things come pitch them and stuff, um, seems to be working out. Um, I've had a couple other pitches in the past work out. Um, the last few jobs have been, you know, pitches or me sending photos to photo editors and they're wanting to run them. So, what was your parents' reaction when they saw when they saw the article? Oh, it was um, everyone was you know extremely happy. We had like a I, we I went over to uh, we had a little family gathering the day it came out, and everyone was really you know everyone's been supportive over the years, and um, it was just great to have you know the family there, and you're like finally finally you're you know you got something good, you want you got what you wanted, you know all the work, hard work has paid off, so everyone's behind me, you know, so it's, it's a great feeling having that. So now that you've you know gotten your foot in the door and it really looks really positive, does it change your outlook in terms of, you know, the, the, the coming years or do you feel like you're pretty much, you still have the same mindset that you've had for, for the, you know, for the last year or so? Yeah, I feel like I have to work harder than ever now. Um, you know, even though I, I do have this, you know, the, you know, the, story this big story under my belt and the cover photo under my belt you know i feel like i have to keep the momentum going you know i you know the morning i woke up uh, the day it came out i was already emailing people and trying to figure out you know since then i've been trying to figure out you know another new project to work on and um been shooting a little bit 
Um, so yeah, it's just, I gotta just keep this momentum going and ride this wave a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's also, there's a lot of more pressure now, um, because I've done this assignment. Um, I think people, you know, which want this quality of work, which is, you know, every, every assignment, which is, um, you know, a bit, a bit stressful, you know, um, but um, it's a good it's a good problem to have, you know. Well, it's it, this this whole topic is is on the lips of a lot of people. Yeah, uh, there tried to be some legislation mm-hmm. uh, to try and uh, reduce the uh, help reduce the interest rate to uh, a reasonable percentage, but yeah. it, it it failed. But she's obviously going to bring it back, and then there are other efforts to sort mm-hmm. of ease the the pain of this this incredible uh, burden. What are you hoping that your story has sort of help contribute to to this whole dialogue and and do you feel like that the people who of of your generation are are going to be i know this is pretty broad but are going to be more active in terms of trying to see a change made or do you feel like they feel like well this is this is what we got to deal with yeah you know i think um what the project contributed to the people that saw it was you know that um it put a face to, you know, put, put a face to this big story and, you know, it brought this human element to it. Whereas before, you know, you, you write about it. Um, but you know, until you see photographs, you don't, it's hard to understand what, what these people are going through and what it's really like. Um, you know, so hearing all these stories definitely help bring, um, you know, faces to it. And also, you know, a lot of the people are very passionate about, like, there's a, one guy, Gabriel Gonzalez, he's, you know, writing to his con- his local congressperson about, you know, in New York about doing something with, um, you know, the, the whole debt crisis. Um, he has the most amount of debt in the project, um, around 130000 And um, he's been, you know, very um, open about, you know, sharing his beliefs about it and, you know, trying to get these interest rates down and, you know, just talking about his story and, um, you know, trying to help people understand. And I think a lot of it, you know, after all, after everything came out and all the comments came out, there's still a lot of criticism, but, you know, the hope would be that people would understand a little bit more, you know, um, what, what's happening with, you know, some of the people today, young people. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Um, so I've been a big admirer of Danielle Levitt's work. Um, she, I actually was looking at, I constantly am looking at her um, you know, work before I go into assignments. And she's one of the people that I constantly look at going over her books over and over again. She did this great, amazing book called We Are Experienced about um, um, environmental environmental portraits of um, young people around the, around the country documenting youth culture and um, from all different walks of life around the country and um, always been a big fan of her work and she's a big editorial photographer too, but I think um, her personal work has, um, her personal projects have gotten her most, uh, the most attention and, um, someone I always look at and hopefully get to meet her one day. Cool. So where, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? So you can go to uh, my website, damoncasares.com and um, have all my, the full project, the New York times project, 
well as personal project and my blog where I, you know, constantly update with new work and, um, yeah, that's where you can find all my work. Oh, thank you, Damon. And best of luck with your, uh, your career. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I've produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELLO, that's P as in Paul, E-R-E-L-L-O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.